Okay, hi, Jeff Cooper here from Classic Christian Rock Radio, and we're doing the Time Machine show once again, and we have our guest, Ken Tamplin. Hi, Ken, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing awesome, Jeff. How are you doing? You're one of the only guys who get me out of bed at 8.30 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'm I'm an early riser, but I usually do, you know, my devos and stuff in the morning, and then don't get started until about 9. That's awesome. Okay, can you tell us about your life growing up a little bit? Well, that's a huge question. What part of it do you want to know about, my sordid past or the good stuff? <laughs> well, whatever you want to tell us. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I you know, I, I grew up in a Christ, predominantly Christian home. My dad, you know, uh, it's weird. He definitely knew the Lord growing up a bit that I could see. My mom was definitely a Christian. Uh, but when you leave your family at age 14 and run off with your secretary, it kind of makes you wonder how deep your faith really ran. Oh, yeah. But anyway... Uh, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a relatively Christian home, um, fairly wealthy home, and um, at a very early age, all three of, you know, of the four siblings, the older three all got heavily involved into drugs, and a lot of that was due to my older brother, a lot of that was due to it being very accessible, uh, easy to get money and buy drugs, um, etc. So um, I, I picked up my first joint when I was six years old. My older brother turned me on a pot at a really, really age. Whoa. Um, and God bless his soul. He just recently passed away here about nine months ago from an overdose mm. who had been clean for almost 25 years. And then, oh, man, just went back to his old ways, which was a bummer. Got hooked up with old friends and stuff. But that's a story for another day. Yeah. Um, anyway, and my younger brother is a pastor, which is awesome. So of the four siblings, two you know, have survived this in a godly cool thank you lord away but um so i I did my first line of cocaine when i was nine and i overdosed on the drug angel dust um actually clinically two times but several times before the age of 14. Hmm. um i stopped doing drugs altogether and that's a huge story into itself and i don't think we want to monopolize the time to talk about that portion of this here and now but let's just say that I was miraculously healed um, before mm-hmm. the age of 14, and I stopped doing all drugs and haven't touched a drug ever since. Wow. So, so that, that was, that in a nutshell is the story. Now, I grew up uh, loving music as much as my brother turned me on to drugs. He also turned me on to playing guitar, uh, which was awesome. It was my first instrument. So I started playing guitar when I was six also, um, and started singing around the age of nine also. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, <clears throat> not, not, um, I didn't take it seriously at that age, but I, you know, I, I, plucked and yodeled around a bit. And then from there, I did start to take my you know music very, very seriously at about the age of 13 and just powered away ever since. Wow. Amazing. So your salvation experience, would it be at the young age or did you have a, like a rededication later in life or... No, I, this was, this was gnarly. I, you know, I had, upon the two overdoses that were clinical, um, I knew I was going to die and I yeah. knew that if I didn't do something about it or if the Lord didn't do something for me, um, that I was headed straight into the situation that just happened with my brother, you know, mm-hmm. cause, um, I was definitely, you know, snorting cannabinol and just doing, you know, tons of PCP and all kinds of horrible drugs. And so I actually went down one Sunday with my mom to Melody Land Christian Center right across the street from Disneyland. Uh, Pastor Ralph Wilkerson had a word of knowledge and he said, there's a young man out there and he, gave, he read my life story and and at first I thought my mom had called him during the week and narked on me, but I found mm-hmm. out that he was talking about things only I knew about. Mm-hmm. So mom, mom couldn't have spilled the beans. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And so I, he brought me forward. The church prayed for me. I was actually slain in the spirit the only time it's ever happened to mm-hmm. me, but it did. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like falling over in this kind of like warm, rushing, heavy wind that kind of suppresses you to the ground sort yeah. of feeling and just this real peace and whatever. And from that moment on, I could not do another drug. I Every time I even tried to smoke the, the cheapest, <laughs> crappiest pot, um, I feel like I was o- overdosing. It was yeah. the weirdest sensation. So I literally could no longer do any drugs whatsoever. Praise and God. then I, wow. at that point, I dedicated my life to Christ. I became a worship pastor at that church at, um, at the age of 15, 16 for the youth group. Mm-hmm. Went on to do you know a lot of music for other churches and you know, did a lot of um, ministry in leading worship in many other Hal Lindsey's church for four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, became a, a senior worship pastor at uh, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa for many, many years. And then at, at various incendiary churches, you know, throughout the, you know, and by the way, that wasn't my only job. I, yeah. I still did music. We did yeah. a lot of bands and, you know, and so forth. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, that God just did amazing work in my life and I can't thank him enough for it. And hopefully my life will represent that with gratitude. You bet. 
And I read somewhere Joshua Pariah played a hand in it somewhere. Is that right? Uh no, I wouldn't say. If anything, I'd say go to reverse. <laughs> Later, oh, he you you led him. <laughs> well, no, Joshua knew the Lord before I. You know, yeah. when we met, uh, that was a real tough situation, yeah. and um, I'd rather not expound on no. how tough it was. But I was in that band for four years. Yeah, I came into that band as a very very dedicated Christian, and I left a very dedicated Christian. Yeah. Um, the good things that happened out of that band, from a ministry standpoint, and it, to me, the music is kind of ancillary because it didn't really do what we all had hoped it was. We're all going to be big rock, Christian rock stars, you know, yeah. like Striper, or yeah. we're all better. Yeah. But um, some some cool things did happen. Um, of the time that I was there in the four years, we went through 26 member changes, so oh, that should boy. tell you about something about how tough the band was. Wow. But um, guys like Pat Bradley, you know, who became a Christian, he's the president of Whole Foods. Hmm. Uh, Lauren Robinson, who was the vice president of Harmon, which is one of the largest music companies in the world, yes. um, yeah. became a Christian. Um, Joey Galletta became a Christian through the band. And we had so many people that, um, you know, it was like, we used to call it the University of Joshua, being funny about it from yeah. a musical standpoint of how many people, you know, in rotation would just, you know, be cycled in and out of the band. But it also was, um, a, a, you know, we had Bible studies and we had very intense conversations that Pat Bradley and his family were uh, high high up deacons in the Mormon Church at the time, and they the, his whole family dedicated their life to the Lord. So, wow. a lot of really amazing things happened as a direct result of that band. Beautiful. What other bands uh, were you involved in uh, as as went along? Well, um, there were bands I had brushes with. So let's let's mm-hmm. differentiate between brushes and yes. actual you know touring. <laughs> yeah. um, prior to Joshua, yeah. Prior to Joshua, um, I had. My own band that I started way back when called Living Stones. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, it's not like Rolling Stones. It was just a <laughs> play on words for Philippians. Great. Um, and so um, I did that band for a while, did a lot of touring. I also was in a band prior to that called Revival, mm-hmm. and that was a band that was stemmed out of uh, being the warm-up act for Melodyland Christian Center for everybody from Chuck Gerrard, mm-hmm. Jesse Dixon, you know, Daryl Mansfield, all these yeah. different bands. Um, we were the, the, the house band, so right. to speak. Yeah. And then um, I went from there to doing yet another uh, band on my own, which was just my own self-titled name. And then I went from that band into Joshua. Mm-hmm. So I joined Joshua just when I turned 19. Yeah. And I was in there, like I said, four years. So 19, 20, 20, 20 I think I left at 23, so whatever the math of that is. Uh, from there, I went <clears> on <throat> into Shout. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And then Shout was pretty short-lived, believe it or not, even though there was a lot of accomplishments that happened. Yeah. And I went from there into into Magdalene, huh? Yes. Into Magdalene. And during that time, um, in fact, let me back this up. Mm-hmm. When I left Joshua, we were signed to a really well-known producer at the time. His name was Dieter Dirks. He had produced the Scorpions, and he'd helped produce the band Accept, yeah. a big German band yeah. and whatnot. Yep. And um, I was I was broken, just completely broken, broken up over leaving Joshua after investing every cent we had living on my mom's living room floor to pay for vocal lessons and get to practice and, you know, mm. hawking music equipment. In fact, that's how I met Chuck King was hawking a, yeah. uh, a wireless guitar system in, in the recycler. Anyway. Wow. And, um, so yeah, I know it was a pretty amazing thing. He <laughs> goes, I don't even know why I'm calling on this ad right now. He goes, yeah. I don't need the wireless. And if you want to buy it back for the same amount I, I'm buying it for, it just looks like a good deal. And I yeah. felt like I'm supposed to buy it. I've never even called anybody in the recycler. And then oh, we boy. met and became friends and shout, yeah. shout ensued. Wow. So, That's but odd. anyway, getting back to, to yeah. the Joshua thing, when leaving Joshua, uh, Dieter had called me and said, hey, you know, I heard you left the band. I have a band that I'd like you to try out for. Uh, would you be willing to do it? So he flew me out over Christmas, come to find out the band was Accept, and they wanted me to sing for the band. Um, and they did give me an offer. And it was just you know, I couldn't see myself singing balls to the walls. Right. I was, you know, yeah, I, I was, really appreciate the offer. <laughs> I was going to tell you, I know who Accept is, but I didn't want to say the name of the song, but there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, that happened <laughs> with a lot of groups. I mean, yeah. Motley Crue asked me to sing for them. Um, Bud Prager <clears throat> was a manager also for Foreigner, you know, some similar situations. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I can't sing Girls, 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 or no. Dr. Feelgood, or, you know, those kinds of songs. It's just as yeah. a you know, as a convicted Christian and mm-hmm. someone who wants to live out their faith and say, and I think Nikki Six said it best in a blabbermouth interview where he said um, that Ken Kevlin was our first choice, but quote, I guess he wanted to sing about something else. <laughs> and I think that's really well said. You yes, know, but it's true exactly, though. Like if you really think, like in his, when his, in his mind, 
it was a, a little bit of a diss towards me, but I took it more as a compliment going, yeah, Nikki, Amen. that's exactly right. I did want to think about something else. So, yeah. And that happened with a lot of groups. I mean, I, I, I got a, a brief stint with In Excess um, mm-hmm. when I originally was going to do that band. The manager, road manager told me that um, they were only going to do two and three week tours. Mm-hmm. And at the time I had two young kids. Um, and I said, okay, great. Cause I, I'm not going to go out for four or five, six months at a time because I'm not going to leave. Like my dad left me to be the man of the house at age 14. I'm yeah. not doing that to yeah. my kids. Yeah. And so, um, the first tour schedule was six months out of the country. And I'm like, guys, I told you, I am not <clears throat> leaving my family to go do this gig. No. So we got in a tip and I basically was fired. Yeah. Um, was so, that before that TV show fine. they did? Did a TV show to try this find a singer? This was before Rockstar. Before that, yeah. yeah. Was, and they went on to find that other guy who became a drug addict and they and, left him in Canada. He left. <laughs> um, still no singer. Yeah. Yeah, right. <clears throat> well, and then that happened too. Like, Foreigner was a brief, brief you know, thing there yep. too. And there was a lot of drugs involved in that band at the time. Yeah. And, um, and then the journey, I was at the thing for journey too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was a very firm offer. Um, uh, and it was the same thing. I mean, they wanted, they wanted to go out on the road for six, seven, eight months at a time. And, yeah. and, you know, my kids were so impressionable. I was really, and still am, but really involved, especially in my son's life. We were, you know, um, he wanted to be a soccer star so bad. And so we supported that to, at every imaginable level, even to the extent of moving to Argentina, mm-hmm. moving to Spain, yeah. moving to yeah. Italy, yeah. moving to Costa Rica so that he could play soccer at the highest level. He graduated with a full ride of Biola, wow. um, which by the way, he had, a, he had any school of his choice and he chose Biola to play for Biola, Great. which went on to being, yeah. Yeah, you know, winning, uh, taking it all the way to the end. They did a really fantastic job Beautiful. while he was there. Beautiful. And yeah, so uh, my son actually wrote a book called, uh, you should look it up. It's a uh, mm-hmm. number one Amazon bestseller mm-hmm. and it's called uh, how to raise an entrepreneur. And it's about okay. our story. So I'll look for that. Interested, you can check it out. I'll look for that. Sure. His name is True Tamplin. Okay. So perfect. But that would be that would be kind of growing up and then growing up as an adult. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. Yes. <laughs> so, what? Uh, well, what is what would be your favorite band or artist? Do you have your favorites? You've been in so many bands. You named named about five of mine over the my growing well, up. Um, do you listen to there, music? there would be different reasons for for wanting to have a favorite so yeah. I, I would say from a professionalism standpoint mm-hmm. i would say probably my own groups and let me explain this because yeah. i think you can't just say no, one or the other it's okay though. shout <laughs> yes well shout for camaraderie yeah. and for ministry to this very day we still get people gosh man i remember that you know yes. king's place show you did and you know uh, Ohio in Columbus, Ohio, just changed my life, you know, kind of yes. thing. So that would be first and foremost. So whatever was directly related to ministry that touched people's lives, that would be my first choice. So mm-hmm. would be my first choice. Yes. From a from a professional standpoint, I got to the point that every time, like a player would leave a band or something, the whole world would say whatever that means. Whole world, there's <laughs> ten people that really like the band, yeah. um, but you know, would say you know the band's over because so and so left the band. When in fact, I was doing all the songwriting, I was playing all the guitars on the on the record. You know, mm-hmm. I was doing all the producing, engineering, you know, blah blah blah. So uh, you know, it was, it was tough to like have to pick up the pieces and re you know retool the thinking of media and how they perceive the group. So mm-hmm. I just started hiring players, and when I did that, the professionalism of the band went up like crazy i could hire any guitar player i wanted i could hire any drummer i wanted any mm-hmm. bass player i wanted yeah and so the you know the level of playership was far greater than anything else that and joshua was up there but not at the, that level yeah. it wasn't at the level of hiring great great pros that you know wow. you, you know and you pay for it but at the, yes. in the end too then you know you have total control let's say over um everyone realizes this is your <clears> band <throat> No matter who's in it, this, it's always going to be great because you're going to pick great players. So, yeah. But I would say that um, those those would be my my choices throughout that. Oh, well, good good choices, good reasons. Um, what initiated your involvement? Well, you've talked a little bit about it already in Christian music, and what what was it like for you? Uh, opposition, uh, blessings, whatever. Because I think a lot of people know that everyone that was on Frontline Records got royally, dare I use the word screwed, but there's not a better word for it. I know, yeah. Um, We've heard the stories, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Kemper stole all the money, and he stole everyone's publishing, and just gave horrible deals, and 
really bad accounting and you know so there's that side but i don't want to I'd rather paint a better, the, the, the side that really mattered is that a lot of lives were changed. That's it. Yes. Radically, dramatically, crazy changed Amen. throughout the bands that were on that label and, and then throughout Christian music. So uh, on the one hand, let's say my left hand, <laughs> on, on the left side, the industry was absolutely horrific. Yeah. The arrogance was mind-blowing. The hypocrisy was mind-blowing. Yeah. The, you know, the boys club click thing was mind-blowing. Yeah on that side but on the side of the lord using bands and the ministries that happened it was just phenomenal to see just in spite of ourselves despite that kind of you know like i said very non-christian attitude in the christian you know community uh, god used it for his glory so he used you know even bad things for good so um it was amazing and and to like i said to this very day i can't tell you how many people still contact me over that two-year brief stint with shout of people whose lives were changed Maybe. as a result of just that group, not including all the groups that yeah. were out there. Concentrated blessings, right? Just everything. <laughs> yeah. You're right? So yeah. in your opinion, I've asked this of a few people, uh, what's, do you see the difference? Wait, be- I want to back up. Yeah, I want to back up ahead, one thing. Yeah. Hold that thought. Mm-hmm. You asked me what got me into Christianity <clears throat> too, and I didn't get yeah, to elaborate okay, on that. Sure. Um, I just, I, my heart couldn't sing things that the world wanted, you know, us to sing to, you know, I don't know, conform to the world as yeah. you know and i wouldn't do that yeah, yeah and my heart was to share was not just only to share jesus christ with the world because we can all do that and that's awesome but it was to say hey you know what i personally at the time wasn't seeing people willing or had even necessarily having the skill sets or whatever to want to put out greatness in jesus name it was always more let me use an example of this um I, uh, Steve, what's his name? He wrote a great book. I don't think of his name in a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. It's made a great point about uh, most Christian music has been lyrically based and not musically based, and so um, it suffers from from the integrity and virtuosity of the music side. Yeah. So um, I wanted to represent Christ in a way that showed excellence yes. and setting to show yourself approved in a way yes. that not just Christian brothers and sisters, but also a light into the world is no, we're not a bunch of geeky losers that, you know, right. everything's in Jesus name Amen. that we could actually um, show mm-hmm. for the world that we're not, we're, we need to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes. go ahead and finish your next question. Sorry about that. No, but that, that kind of leads into it because I was going to ask the difference between a, a Christian band and a band made of Christians. Um, and I was going to lead into, uh, there goes my thought now. <laughs> um, Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I was just thinking quality in music for sure. That I, I totally agree with what you just said. Uh, I've always thought that why would we have, you know, really great lyrics and a terrible band or, you know, awful, right. awful music or styles people don't well, like, right? You gotta, Jeff, we're seeing that in worship music I, in, in spades. Right oh, don't now, get me you know. started. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, know. It's so yeah. it's so thin and so you know. I mean, literally, I've heard better campfire songs growing up. Yes, going to R- Royal Rangers, you know, from kid that's only been playing guitar for a year than some of the worship music I've heard come out. He's got the but whole let's, world let's in his hands forget. as a better tune than some of the tunes now. You know, simple tune like it's, that. That's true. Now, we do have our Phil Kagies, we do have our Dorm Mansfields, we do have, um, you know, I mean, uh, gosh, I could just go down this huge list, um, and and I don't want to leave anybody out, so if anybody out there is hearing this, um, (laughs) but I mean, Brian Duncan, to me, is just like, wow, dude, you're like Mickey Thomas of Christian music, or, you know, you've got, in fact... um, you know, bands like Allies, you yes. know, you had all these bands, Resurrection Band, yeah. I already said Daryl Mansfield, Top yeah. of the World Harmonica Player, great song. You know, so you have Phil Kagey, holy cow. Yes, you know? I know. Um, so, and then at the time, Keith Green was amazing, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and so, you know, uh, in second chapter of Acts, all of them were great, but of course, some rose higher than others. And, yeah. you know, so we had phenomenal talent out there. It's just, um, I think, to me, at least what happened to me is that there was a CCM bubble, mm-hmm. and if you didn't sound like CCM, you weren't accepted into the club. Yeah, and that was everything from the way the music sounded and was recorded onto the lyrics. Yeah. Onto, I love that funny uh, video meme that was the band that came into the record company office, yeah. and they said, "No, we're going to be like us. We're not going to be like anything." And the record company kept trying to seduce them, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And said, no, 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 no. And then they started talking about worship music and about, well, would it be this version of that or this version of that or so and so's version of that? And then finally they turned and they said, okay, 
we'll let you go ahead and record yakety yak. Oh, okay, where do we sign? You know? <laughs> and so eventually it wears on you and you have yeah. to come to this conformity, conform to this CCM sound and yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's why Striper was so successful. They didn't do it. No, they just did what right. they felt they should do. And weren't played on the radio enough, which is uh, the whole point, right? I mean, yep. people were asking yep. the other day on, on Facebook somewhere, uh, do you ever listen to those CCM stations that, uh, you know, had the edited versions of songs that the record company wanted you to hear without the guitar solo or with uh, keyboards instead of, a you know, rhythm guitar and all that? And I, yeah, people, that's what we used to get. I, unf- I not unfortunately, I, I fortunately didn't listen to a lot of that. And I just bought the records and listened to all the deep cuts. And I was an FM kind of listener, even for secular. I'd right. like the old... Uh, you know, twenty-minute songs. I didn't want the three-minute little package of yakety right. yak. Don't talk back. You know, <clears throat> I wanted right. and the let's, full and thing. And let's remember, Jeff. Let's remember something too. Yeah. This was also going on in the secular market as well, or yes. whatever they call the general market, yes. or I don't even know what they call it anymore. It did. But um, but where Led Zeppelin, when they put out Stairway to Heaven, <laughs> because of the length of the song, yeah. they wanted to chop the song down to three and a half, four minutes. Mm-hmm. And and Robert Plant literally said, "If you do that, I'm quitting the band." Right on. And so they didn't put it out. It became Stairway to Heaven. But radio, I mean, record companies were doing that via you know the radio format at the time even to all those kinds of bands. And it was the Eagles and all those other bands yeah. that said, no, we're doing our music. We're, you can like it or not, but this is the direction of, we're going. Yeah. <laughs> so that happened on both sides just in a different way. It sure did. Uh, yep. Yeah. And um, I'm glad for, in, in a lot of cases, I mean, a lot of Christian music, a lot of the Christian rock, we're almost under, we're underground artists, really, because they did their sure. own thing. They relied on stations like ours, uh, actually, that were like even now uh-huh. on internet. It's even it's great because there's no one telling us <laughs> what we can play. So right. it's it's a good thing. Right, that's awesome. You know, lead, let the Lord lead. So um, tell us uh, about gigging uh, as a Christian band. How did it differ? You've talked a little bit about how obviously how Christian bands are different than secular and some of the secular bands you were in for a bit or tried out for and uh, just couldn't join. What was it like gigging as a Christian band? Okay, well, let's, let's separate that, too. Yes. Okay, so let's, let's talk about this phase one and phase two. Yeah. So phase one being the shout eras, mm-hmm. you know, Magdalene shout, like that whole thing. Um, you know, we found ourselves playing a lot of the big Christian festivals and a lot of good churches and things like that. But there was, a, there was this really... I use the word dogmatic fundamentalist sort of thing because I'm a very, mm-hmm. very conservative Christian, yeah. so I don't want anyone no. thinking that, no. you know, I'm not. But there was this sense that, you know, you had to do it their way or the highway, yeah. and they had a very bizarre sort of hyper fundamentalist. Uh, man, I, I'm, I'm trying to be ginger about this to some degree and dip, diplomatic about it to yeah. a certain extent, but let's just say that it was almost cult-like yeah. in the way that they expected you to present your art. And you had to do this, and you had to give the altar call here, and you had to do the blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, and don't do this song, and, and, and please don't wear that, and right. don't say this. And, you know, yeah. um, and it was just really a, a bizarre sort of, you know, um, and, I, and again, I hear, hear you're talking about a guy that came from Calvary Chapel, but <laughs> from... Yeah. A uh, um, what's the word I'm oh, I'm just going to use the word legalistic sort of yeah. uh, standpoint. It, there was very few things. So, so let me give you. I think I may have said this before, and if I didn't, mm. stop me. But I remember we were asked to play at Oral Roberts University, and I think I might have shared this before. And if I did, stop me. No, if not, keep going. Ramble. Keep going. Um, I had the dean of Oral Roberts University call me, and our drummer Joey um, at the time used to play a lot of tricks on me, so I thought it was Joey calling. Anyway, so the guy calls, and he says, hi, the dean from Oral Roberts University, and we <laughs> held a rock court on your band, and you know we, we banned you from Oral Roberts University because oh you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm. We're going to allow ACDC, we're going to allow Iron Maiden, we're going to allow <clears> all these other bands, Led Zeppelin. But you, because because they're they are forthright in how they're coming out preaching their message. But you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I'm thinking to myself, what? <laughs> dude, <laughs> you know, wow, okay, that's weird. Because I remember having a conversation with Bill Gothard about this, and yeah. I think I kind of changed his mind a little bit because we actually had someone that was there in the concierge stand, you know, going up to the concession stand. Mm. Excuse me, 
um, who was saved through our ministry. And, and yeah. Bill Garford was saying that you know, it was moot, and it was or not moot. It was it actually, you know, he used the the ark falling and someone putting their hand in the ark, and they carried the ark with an unclean vessel, uh-huh. and that rock music was an unclean vessel. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. well, these are guys out there, you know, parroting this stuff, and they don't really know anything about it, and they've yeah. never gone out and done it. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But so there's that phase, phase one of of this, and so. I, I, when I wound up kind of splitting from the CCM market, not because I wanted to be a secular musician, mm-hmm. I'm a Christian playing music, yes. period. Yeah. I'm not a Christian musician. I'm a Christian that plays music. Yeah. So, so I'd hired players, great players, and I'll never forget this, this event. One of my friends was a guy named Andreas Schova, and you can look him up. He was mm-hmm. the senior editor for a huge German magazine called Rock Hard, mm-hmm. a secular magazine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'd come into town and we'd go, you know, out and have dinner and stuff and him and his girlfriend. And so, you know, he said, gosh, I've never seen you play live. You know, whenever you're in the south of Germany, please let me know. I'd love to come see it. So as fate would have it, um, we didn't play a lot of Christian shows, venues at this time, though we invited a lot of Christians to come into secular venues. They could pass out tracks, they could witness, they could do whatever they want, and we would still witness. But we'd do it, we'd, we'd be very tactful about it. We, you know, we're not hiding anything, but it's not, we're not shouting Jesus from the, you know, mm-hmm. street walking, peer walkers, handing out tracks mm-hmm. kind of thing. We weren't doing that. We were, and, and so anyway, so um, again, as fate would have it, we're in this pretty good sized venue. It's about 1,500 feet tall. It's packed. It's, um, uh, was put on by a Christian promoter who said, hey, I like what you do. Please just do what you do and, you know, whatever. Well, I used to do these 90-minute sets that were very difficult. You can imagine the kind of music yes. I was saying. So yeah. I, as to take a break, I would always let the other guitar player sing one song yeah. of his choice, yeah. you know. And, and it was funny because it was right at the time Pat Boone had come out with his, you know, his uh, <laughs> doing Metallica and all these different things, whatever. Yeah. So. So the guitar player, Howie, um, he said, hey, is it okay if I do Enter Sandman? I said, yeah, sure, go for it. I mean, Pat Boone just released on yes, the record. Yes, did. Fine, go for it. You know? And then, by the way, it's a nursery rhyme to his kid. It's not like some evil song. No, I know. So, um, <laughs> so he starts doing the song, and the promoter in front of God and everybody, oh, but wait, wait, let me back up. Yeah. So Andreas show, comes to the show. Yeah. This, this writer for Hard Rock Magazine and his girlfriend, who runs the largest rock radio pr- programming show in all of Germany, which is the biggest station in all of Europe mm. for Hard Rock. Mm. So they're both there at the show, and this, about halfway through, three-quarters of the way through, this promoter uh, denounces me, and we had this German bass player, so he knew exactly what he was saying, yeah. denounces me, denounces the band, and breaks up the show. Really? And I'm like, I said to Dirk, our bass player, I go, what did he just say? Yeah. And he says, oh, he's now denouncing the band. He's saying you're of Satan. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I, oh, I, gosh. I walked out. I walked out. And I grabbed the microphone away from this guy. Mm. And I said, hey, guys, mm. I am a born-again Christian. And I make no apology for that. Mm. I've done nothing here tonight that does not reflect Jesus Christ mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am sorry that he's calling the show. We have a show in in um, in uh, Stuttgart, not very far from here. I'll get you all in for free. Please take your ticket stubs. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's on. This was on a Wednesday night. Yeah. It's this coming Friday. It's a three thousand feet <clears throat> hall. Everyone gets in free with your ticket stub. Yeah. And I'm really sorry that this had to go down like this. And I look forward to seeing you on Friday. Right on. So I left. Yeah. So I get a call from our UK record company. It was Music for Nations, and ironically, they were the label for Striper, Metallica, Poison. Uh, had a couple of Motley Crue records, uh, my record, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. it's in German, so we haven't got it totally deciphered yet and interpreted yet, but this is not good. You have a four-page spread, and it's by Andreas Shova. By the way, each page, if you were to go buy that page and pay for it, yeah. it would be about $100,000 to show you how expensive you know, their <laughs> advertising was. Yeah. So this is a four-page spread of the of them reviewing this show. Oh my! And I and and Martin Hooker, who was the um, the president of the label, goes, "I think your career is finished." Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh no, you've got to be kidding me!" So anyway, we get the interview, and <clears throat> what they normally do is um, they would take the original interview, then they you know um, translate it into Dutch and into you know all these different languages. It finally gets into English into the UK. And here was the article. He goes on and he praises the band being like Dio and Iron Maiden and awesome. I got in a guitar fight with another guitar player and he thinks I won and blah, 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 blah. And he says, and then this promoter came out and he says, he just, you know, wham-basted this promoter. And what he said, he goes, 
He goes, this guy is, is the, the reason that Andreas Silva is not a Christian. Mm. Comes out and says oh, it. Oh, boy. And in the very last two lines, he said, but Ken Tamplin handled it with such dignity mm-hmm. and such, um, you know, gentleness is in the way it's in German, that if he goes, I don't know about the Christianity that this promoter had, but I do know Ken Tamplin personally. And if, there, if Jesus and God is real, I want the kind of Christianity Ken Tamplin has. Beautiful. And that was the end of the article. Wow. And I thought to myself, by the way, this isn't meant to praise no, Ken Tamplin right now. No. I just thought to myself as ambassadors yes. and how, we, how we're perceived to the world, yep. um, we really need to represent Christ in a way that is gracious and loving and forgiving and everyone's on a journey Amen. and we've all got to figure out, you know, there's an end game and it's, it's, it matters yeah. and eternity matters, but, but we can't cut off someone's ear no. before they have a chance to hear what we have That's to say. Right. And we do that as Christians. So how did we yeah. get on this subject? Oh, that's again? a great, great, great <laughs> points, though. Yes, <laughs> oh, no, awesome. Just wonderful story. Oh, that story. was phase two, yeah. yeah. Phase two of, of, of my ministry, <clears throat> so, quote-unquote. <laughs> so um, do you prefer, I guess I think I know the answer. Do you prefer, well, I think you like both. Do you prefer live or studio work? You know, live's a lot more fun. It is. It sounds like it. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you get out and, and you know, if you got a good crowd and there's good energy, life is way more fun. Well, they call it um, studio work, studio don't they? Studio <laughs> is interesting because there's a creative process. There's there's a difference between going out and playing live and using chops and 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 you know, again, you you get to say a lot with your with your instruments and stuff, especially if you get to go off for you know a couple three minute guitar solo or yeah. something. Um, you know, there's that part, but so the life part is the. Uh, the the getting to to eat the labor of the fruit of what you did in the studio does that make sense yes yes yeah absolutely um, <clears throat> so I was going to ask you too you mentioned earlier the Big Bang album I think or you mentioned Magdalene Magdalene I always I used to say Ma- Magdalene. Magdalene right <clears throat> I don't know who yeah. told me it was Magdalene it is Magdalene as in Mary Magdalene correct. And you Correct. changed the spelling a couple times that might have <laughs> confused some people. Well, what, quickly what happened with that is yeah. uh, the idea of Magdalene was the picture of showing God's grace to the world yes. um, because of her story. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the, it wasn't just a random name. No. No, nothing that I've ever done has been just some arbitrary random no. thing. So, um, But when we did it, um, uh, and, and it's, it was M-A-G-D-A-L-L-A-N instead yes. of um, A-L-E-N. Yeah. And the label had said, well, this is a, re- <laughs> there I go succumbing to what a label had to say. <laughs> yeah, I know. The label said, still. well, this is, this is a, what's that? <laughs> Sometimes they're right. Sometimes. Well, so what, <laughs> what they said that was, they said, um, <clears throat> you've got two major strikes against you right now. Yeah. You've got a name of a band of a whore in the Bible. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and you've got a song on the album called Radio Bikini. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you're going to put this out in the Christian market. Mm. And I said, well... Um, let's take a look at both of those things, you know? <laughs> and so they said, look, at least try to alter it a little bit so that you don't get, oh, and then, yeah. and then we pick, um, we picked, this is even more hilarious. <laughs> if you look at the album cover of the first Magdalene album, yeah. uh, the, the artwork was Italian art that showed nudity, but right. in, 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 and I want to t- touch bases on that in just one second, mm-hmm. but it was just, it was a piece of, of artistry. Yes. And so, front lines graphic design artist painstakingly went in and put like loincloth on all of the all of this this piece of artistry and it winds up winning a dub award for best art you know best album art of the year i'm like you gotta be kidding me right so so anyway so i was thinking that there's this picture of god's grace to the world which is mary magdalene you know she can be saved we can all be saved and so um, it was funny because uh, uh, Jimmy and Brian Tong and Mike McLean at the time says, well, we can't allow this song Radio Bikini to go on the album. It's not going to fly. And I go, guys, can we uh, have a, com- a historical conversation? Because I'm, I'm actually a history major at UCLA. Yeah. I go, can we have a, a historical conversation for a minute? Mm-hmm. And they said, sure. I go, let's all get in a room. Okay. Okay. What does bikini mean to you? Yeah. Well, it's obvious bikini is you know the shortest thing you could you know scantily dress an excuse of wearing underwear out in public. You know, was what Jimmy said, and, and I said, okay, well, do you know where the word bikini came from? And he goes, yes, of course, it's a bikini. I said, no, guys, 
the bikini is the bikini islands, the Marshall Islands, which were the nuclear experiments that went off in World War II. And the, the French designer of the bathing suit said that his bathing suit line was so, quote, explosive yeah. that he was going to make a bathing suit line. Mine precedes the, his, yeah. his making of, of women's apparel. Mm-hmm. And, and so my story was about what the United States did with the, uh, you know, our, these, this testing unsuspecting people that you know, died of radiation because <laughs> yeah. of our bombing yeah. the Bikini Island. Yeah. And it, was, it was a picture of kind of where the world was going. Yeah. And you're taking it out of context being what happened later yeah. by Frederick whatever name was it designed this this thing mm-hmm. so are we are we going to run every time that someone is, is this weird myopia of, of of something we're not allowed to speak about oh, something boy. this is crazy you guys are this is nuts so it was funny because at this time uh there is a very famous uh artist and um i can't think of his name at the top of my head i'll think of it probably as we're talking <clears throat> but anyway and um he painted christ in the news yeah and he was a very conservative, devout Catholic. And uh, what was interesting is uh, at one point his uh, art was featured at the Guggenheim with other art, whether throwing feces against canvas and child pornography and all this stuff. And all these other forms, there was Piss Christ was, you know, with this, yeah. this thing where they peed in this giant yeah. container. And, and so all this stuff was at the Guggenheim and everyone got high ratings except him mm-hmm. because they didn't know what to do with it. And what was interesting is Ed Nippers is his name, K-N-I-P-P-E-R-S. What was interesting about Ed is that Ed wasn't trying to have any kind of vulgarity whatsoever. He was allowing people to see the humanity of Christ. It was not vulgar, nothing. It was like Italian art. And so his presentation to the Christian world was, we don't know what to do with this because this is Jesus in the nude. And the secular world was, we don't know what to do with this because this is Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so that's sort of how we ourselves as Christian artists find ourselves between yes. two worlds or a, a man without a country yeah. is that we want to try to say something to the world or even to the, to the church community at large. Yeah. Um, but we, we can't, we, our hands have been tied behind our back for the Christian community because they want to conform to that. Mm-hmm. And the world wants nothing to do with um, truth. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. unless you're listening to Ravi Zacharias and there's no way refuting what he has to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> so it was the most expensive album ever made, Christian album ever made, apparently. And of course, you said it won, won a Dove Award. Um, so I was going to ask you if you performed in the Dove Awards. I guess not for cover art; they wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, want to I performed in the Dove Awards three times, oh, good. Um, yeah. but it was under Shout and not under Magnolia. Okay, so you rocked it up for them. Yeah. Uh, how did that go over? Very well. I guess it was great, yeah. man. I mean, I uh, the very well, uh, maybe not so great the second time. Yeah. The first time was great. Yeah. Um, you know, we performed at the Grand Ole Opry, it was yes. cool. Uh, and I went out to the audience and I shook hands with Bill Hearn, Billy Bray Hearn, yeah. and all these guys, yeah. you know, the label heads, whatever. But this, but the the uh, the second time we performed, um, it was kind of an odd <laughs> again, it was really interesting. So <laughs> We they had uh, the performances for GMA at GMA, and then you got to do these sub performances. Yes. So we played at some really cool club, and one of the events, or excuse me, not events, one of the clubs um, that we played at that was uh, a directly direct sponsored GMA, GMA event where all hot shots showed up. Mm-hmm. We had a medley that we did mm-hmm. in the middle of our set, yeah. and one of the songs included a baby song, which was. Um, uh, Midnight Rendezvous, okay, right? Yeah. But I changed the lyrics to yeah. it. And so um, we've done this this set, and in the middle of the set, one of the songs was, and then we had, you know, because it was a secular venue, and so we had, you know, I mean, we had Stevie, uh, Stevie Winwood's song, yeah. and we had this song and that song, and everything kind of related to Christianity in some mm. way. You know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think even that, it's silly to have to succumb to that kind of pressure. <laughs> yeah. But but so we did this, and then, and then the label heads walked out. Oh, they walked out on it, oh. and uh, the, the, the instigators and, and, and the guys leading the pack was our own label head, Mike McLean and Brian Tong. And so I go, why did you guys leave? And he goes, well, that, that was um, outrageous and inexcusable for you to do that medley. Mm. I'm like, why? Mm. Well, because it's, it's, we just don't do secular music around here. You know, oh, like, boy. well... <laughs> I mean, we were in a secular club, yes. I mean, and we can't just go, Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus. No. Half the people were Christians and the other half weren't. Yeah. And it was a club, like yeah. beer-drinking, yeah. alcohol-serving club. Yeah. And, and so, um, anyway, 
so I got this backlash from that. So mm-hmm. the following year, when I when I made the Green Tamplin album, got a double award for Epic, got two double awards for that. Yeah. Um, uh, we were asked to come. I was asked to come down to GMA and collect. You know my, and and they didn't even give me an entrance. The label, even though I won a double award or was nominated, the label heads took all of the passes that were supposed to get. And if I wanted to go, I had to pay my own way. It was like really weird. So I go and I, I get there and, and I, I'm just. I was kind of over it at this point, yeah. and I just said, you know, I'm like done with this. So, um, so I, <clears throat> they announced my name, you know, rock album of the year, blah 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 yeah. blah blah. I go down to pick up the dub, pack house, you know, yeah. and and they, I said, you know, I want to thank Amy Beth Hale, and everyone goes, <gasps> yeah, you know, she's the girl in the mailroom who always returns my phone calls. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then I said, and I want to thank you know Steve Edwin, yeah. you know. He's the guy that does merchandising. Yes. You know, he always returned my phone calls. Yes. And I want to thank Bubble. I didn't thank a single head of you. anybody like you. that. <laughs> and I got a standing ovation. I, I walked on. That's the last I've ever had anything to do with CC, uh, the CCM market. Yeah, that's awesome, though. I love it. Just That's terrific. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Gates. I mean, they yeah. wouldn't have let me back anyway. No. It didn't matter. That's right. <laughs> that's great. Um, speaking of uh, changing lyrics, etc., you did an album with Daryl Mansfield we talked about before, Born to be Wild. What was that like? How did that come about? It's a great album. Uh, we play it a lot. It's just a lot of familiar tunes with a little twist to every mm-hmm. single one of them. How did that come about? And tell us what it was like doing that album. Well, Daryl has always been a lifetime friend and an amazing brother in Christ and an absolute world-class talent, evangelist, and amazing performer live and in studio, period. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, he was kind of struggling a little bit, had the whole thing happen with his wife, and yeah. Yeah, we all know, yeah. I don't want to no. go through all that. Uh, anyway, and, you know, him and his manager at the time, she was a woman, um, he was just struggling for, you know, for money and just music and this and that. And I said, hey, Daryl, um, I was doing music for film and TV at the time. In fact, you can go to IMDB, so Internet Movie Database, and you can look at, like, some of the movies that I've mm-hmm. done. Just put in my name and you'll see. For sure. Anyway, so um, at the time, I was soliciting major feature film companies uh, with the, the highest usage or highest used classic rock songs of all time which the highest used songs are classic rock songs so i was taking all those songs and i was tempo mapping about a hundred of them to their exact original um you know tempo and then calling up or if i knew like the producer or the engineer stuff calling up guys because i know most of these guys how they got their sounds this and that and so i did absolute perfect replicas of all these songs Mm -hmm. um so i could get them placed in film and tv so i had them in my catalog and daryl had come over and he had heard, um, I, I had a tush on one of them. Yeah. And I said, yeah, this is one I'm not going to put out because it's, yeah. it's lyrically, it was challenging. And I said, I've always wanted to say, Lord, take me downtown. I'm just looking for a church. Yeah. And he started laughing. He goes, that's awesome. He goes, we should do this. I go, let's do it. So we fired it up. Yeah. And, you know, he couldn't quite sing the high part. So I went in and sang the high yeah. part. He sang low part. Yes. Put some harmonica on it. I go, he goes, man, we should make a record like this. I go, let's do it right now. Yeah. So we just spent a few days and we just bashed it out and cranked out with some like 12 songs or whatever. And yeah. God bless him. He wound up getting to use them, um, you know, for his shows and the rest is That's history. Terrific. And then the, the one on there, uh, Love of Money, you're, it's an out-out duo. It's got you doing, uh, trading off vocals. I know I could hear, yep. I could hear you throughout it as well. So, um, uh, great, great stuff. Right, I did all the background vocals. <clears> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you. It's a wonderful album. <clears throat> um, what else did I want to know about? Um, favorite songs to play? On what? On oh, one of my records? I mean, guess in general, like if you were, okay, I would need you to do three songs tonight. Uh, what would the three songs be? Well, that would depend on the audience of the venue. <laughs> I guess so. Okay. So full on uh, rock audience. How's that? <laughs> it's okay. not the GME um, awards. Well, if I get to choose, choose my own stuff. Yeah. It would probably be, Living for my Lord. Yes. Um, it would probably be straight between the mm-hmm. eyes, and probably don't let the uh, sun follow me. Those the sky follow me, um, and I would choose those songs only because um, they are extremely challenging, mm-hmm. and I think would be very indicative of representing kind of where I was coming from as a rock artist. Yeah. Um, so that would be the three. 
if it would be like going to a church venue or something like that, I, it would it would be like how great thou art, yeah. and I pick classics yeah. of stuff. Not, nothing. Oh, I do I do like um, oh, what's that song? Um, I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, it's the Revelation song. I love that song. It's a great song. Mm. I wish they I wish we wrote a lot more yeah. songs like the Revelation yeah. song. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, song. you did a great version of Holy, Holy, Holy like too, didn't you? On one of the yeah. one, one of those yep. albums. It's a great old hymn. Yep. <clears throat> and ironically, if you listen to the chord structure of that song, yeah. that song is almost identical mm-hmm. to the song Ordinary World by Duran Duran. I thought I heard it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, wow. No, that's, that's great, great. We actually sometimes end the, uh, we have Metal Monday, and I've often ended the show with that one because it's such a good worship song, yet it's still metal, you know, still it great, is. great chord progression and all. You do, this is what you do. Uh, what advice would you give young musicians coming up? Well, it depends on what they're looking to do. Yeah. I think the uh, perception is that, and we all had this, and I want to dispel this so that we can forever get people away from this idea, and that's that there's this elusive record deal that you're trying to get, right. and there's this management company that you're trying to get yeah. that's going to save you. Yeah. That is not going to happen, no. okay? It's not going to happen. And I can't tell you how many managers I've had, none of them helped me except one. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many labels I've had, none of them were forthright with me, period. Yeah how many film and TV companies were forthright with me? None. Um, So you really have to living in an age and, you know, I'm grateful that my singing Academy two days ago Mm -hmm. just hit 85 million views and over 650,000 subscribers. Yes. And why that's interesting isn't a plug for Ken Templin vocal Academy on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a, a statement to say no label did that for me. Jesus did. I'm not trying to take credit for, you know, whatever but no label did that for me no management company did that for me nobody did it i got out there i put my music out there and i promoted it on my own in a way that i thought was hoping that people would gravitate towards so we're living in a fabulous time most people think oh the labels it's over (laughs) even the eagles are selling songs on their own website (laughs) hey well you know if you're if 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 you want to live wanted to live a life back in the day where the elite got to choose your career and got to choose everything and you got Mm. nothing and still even didn't even get to keep your publishing there's that but we live in an age with Facebook and Pinterest and, 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 and YouTube yeah. and all these different, you know, yeah. um, Instagram and all these different opportunities that there's never been a better time for people to have access. Now it's flooded and I get it. It's saturated with a lot of stuff and people have to dig through a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I have a, I have a young band uh, and uh, that has come out, and they do like deal covers and stuff. And believe yeah. it or not, they're Christians going to Downey Calvary. Right but it's called Liliac, yeah. and and the lead singer is one of my students. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to see what Liliac has done. Liliac puts out a few, you know, uh, '80s metal kind of songs. As a young man, I call him the Metal Partridge Family. <laughs> but anyway, look up L- Liliac, Liliac yeah. and and you know they're just killing it mm. and from scratch they have no label they've got a 60 city tour now coming up beautiful uh, you know it's just amazing they're warming up for queens and all these nice. bands and it's yes. like well, that's awesome yes you know so oh. that's what i would say just get out there put your music uh, in a in a format that you think as an audience that you know you can relate to that can relate to you mm-hmm. and uh just start bashing away at yeah. it and get some exposure um via social media because it's amazing that's the way to do it for sure um so tell us more about your Vocal Academy. How long have you been doing that? The Academy's been around since 2008. Okay. Um, and so it's, what, 11 years? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was spawned, actually, because I had a lot of very well-known uh, secular singer friends that were all losing their voices, yes. you know, yeah. through the 80s. Yeah. And um, from the 80s and yeah. late 70s, 80s. And so I would help one and they'd go gosh dude i can't believe you know how much this has helped me to save my career wow. like wow you know you should be helping people do this i'm like yeah 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 i still want to be you know a rock star <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not literally no. in fact i never really wanted to be a rock star i just wanted people to appreciate how hard i yeah. worked at something so that my peers would would, would acknowledge you yeah. know the effort that went into this but um <laughs> but anyway so as, as time went on and more and more people came finally i just said you know i'm just gonna like throw up some crazy singing lick on youtube mm-hmm. And see where it goes. And I did that, and it went viral and hit a million views way back when, you know, yes. uh, 
the pull my finger or bit my finger yeah. video went viral. Yes, yes. <laughs> not pull my finger. Yeah, <laughs> bit my yeah. finger. Charlie bit my finger. <laughs> um, and and so you know, I got me on Jimmy Fallon and it got me on Tosh.0 right. yes. and you know different shows and yeah, stuff. I remember. Um, yeah. And so I started Ken Campbell Vocal Academy and it just blew up with success yeah. and I'm grateful for That's it. That's awesome. Just terrific. So we encourage people who are out there who would like to get uh, help from you to uh, contact you, right? And they can uh, do lessons either with you or online as well. Yeah, and I, I would <clears throat> recommend if people are really interested in the singing part, yeah. go to the YouTube channel, check out the stuff we've done. We have over 600 songs on yeah. there now. Um, and Or go to my website, KenTamplinVocalAcademy.com. Yeah. But um, but get the course. Yes. I, I, a lot of people, I'm, I'm of the school of teaching people how to fish for themselves right. rather than coming back to me for fish. Yes. So yeah. I want to teach people how they can grow themselves and maintain their own uh, you know, take, uh, inventory of themselves yes. and be able to sustain that on their own rather than coming back to yeah. us. So our goal isn't to keep you know, having people come back to us. The goal. So the, the course, I have a singing course called How to Sing Better Than Anyone mm-hmm. Else. And yes, it's antagonistic. Yes, but I like it. <laughs> um, I like it. And, yeah. you know, it... It'll blow your mind. I've spent over a million dollars on my voice, yeah. and I'm, I don't mean that as a random no. number. I mean literally yeah. over a million dollars on my yeah. voice, uh, taking from some of the world's greatest vocal coaches, and I put it all in a course, yes. and it's called How to Sing Better Than Anyone Else. So if you guys are interested, check it out. It will blow yeah, your mind. Highly recommend it. I find it entertaining, too, just to watch your demonstrations, <laughs> great as they are, and uh, in some cases better than the original. Just saying, some of some cases. You Thank know, you, dude. That's absolutely kind of you. Thank love you. it. Okay, so do you still do any um, offside recording, performing from time to time, or are you just so swamped with uh, what you're doing now? Yeah, the, the, right now uh, we have um, uh, over 16,000 people in our singing yeah, forum. so you're pretty busy. <laughs> Which is free, by the yeah, way. That's why um, we're doing this early. In... <laughs> that's, that's why we're doing a really early morning interview. <laughs> you got a, yeah, well, there's only time I could get exactly. it in. Because I'm actually going to do three singing demonstrations today. Wow. So plus, I have three, I saw three and a half hours of lessons. Really? But, um, but yeah, so um, I do when I can. Yes. Um, I still do lead worship for uh, a new church I'm involved mm. in, um, or co-help lead. Yeah. Uh, and so I, uh, you know, every t- chance I get where as time constraints will allow, I definitely am out doing that. But yes, beautiful. Uh, it takes an exorbitant amount of time to manage. We have, I have 23 people working for KDBA right now. So, That's great. um, it's, it's a lot to manage just the people alone, much less the music side yeah. of it. That's wonderful. Well, Ken, it's been awesome. Absolutely great. You're so easy to talk to. And I uh, just love all, love Aww. your stories, love your uh, take on things, and I couldn't agree with you more on everything. Uh, I'd like to thank you for being our guest on Time Machine, and uh, thank you, everybody, and thank you, Ken. All right, well, God bless you, Jeff, and thank you to all of uh, the crew. And I, I'm, I'm, I know we did a couple uh, station IDs for this, yes. but if you need some more stuff for me to just well, shout out, I can out, um, let get me know. one from you right now, actually. So I'm just going to turn.